0: what's up what's up another week another podcast this is your favorite football podcast the football academy i'm here sapone tonight
1: with Braden. how's it going sir it's going good it's uh been a crazy couple days of results uh in these midweek games uh and there's a lot to talk about especially in a couple of them that is for sure
0: uh, for everybody who is listening to us thank you so much for joining in So just a recap for everybody: the way we do things here is a little bit different because we like to give you a betting perspective. And you know, Texas and Michigan leading the way right now, legalizing betting in America. So hey, good on both those states. Might have to look at. I mean, I'm not relocating to either of those two states as things currently stand. So having said that, uh, in this. Having said that, the previous podcast, we gave you our predictions for this midweek fixtures. We're recording on a Wednesday to get this podcast out on time for you for the weekend games. So instead of giving you a half breakdown here and a half breakdown next week, we're just going to go ahead and give you the entire results next week. So Monday when we record and hopefully Tuesday the podcast is out, we will give you an uh, updated review of all the betting results that are going to happen both this weekend as well as what happened in the midweek fixtures. But as Braden said, there's a lot to talk about and there is indeed. So let's get it started. The first game of the weekend of the midweek fixtures, I keep saying weekend because that's when football should be played. Um, Was Sheffield United winning against Newcastle United at home, getting their first win uh, on a roll here, back-to-back wins for Chris Wilder and the boys um uh, Newcastle becoming the I guess the second team to be beat or the, the only team to be beaten by the two of the worst teams that have ever graced the Premier League in Derby County in the 2007-8 season I think uh and then now Sheffield United who finally end up with a g- tally of five points so Braden, we I had Darlow in my fantasy I was livid when he ended up conceding but it's also funny because it's Newcastle United
1: yeah it's definitely funny um this was a really i don't know what was going on with newcastle in this match and we talked about in the preview of newcastle playing 120 against arsenal and if they thought tired legs might come into play in this and i i really didn't see that as much but i you know it comes down to ryan Fraser gave sheffield a chance and I, they went and took advantage of it and this is kind of one of those things that you need when you're really struggling is just kind of someone to do something stupid to give you a chance and Sheffield got that um and I don't I don't know I don't think that this kind of kicks them on any and uh, but we'll see like this could be a turning point like you said they got the FA Cup win they got uh this win for their first win the league it's a condensed table they've got a lot of ground that they need to make make up but if they started putting together some results like they did last year you know maybe it gets the belief going and with what has seemed like a team that ran on a lot of momentum last year uh, maybe they can start turning things around absolutely and i mean
0: i don't know if they will come out when i say absolutely that is i don't mean they're about to you know become a favorite for me to you know survive relegation, but. Chris Wilder is, you know, blades through and through. The team is still together. And who knows? I mean, they play Tottenham next, who we are going to talk about later on in this podcast, who did not have a very good result against another uh, struggling, relegation-threatened team. So, I mean, Sheffield United might end up doing something. Newcastle United themselves are getting dragged into this relegation fight again. And everybody thought weeks ago that Sheffield United getting relegated is foregone conclusion. I still think that it is a foregone conclusion until some unless something drastic happens. However, if teams like Newcastle are not smart right now and cannot get these results, they are going to pay for it come May when they would be in the thick of things to get relegated.
1: Yeah, so Sheffield are currently nine points back of Brighton and You know, that's a good bit to try and make up, especially when you look at that they're, you know, they've got a minus 20 goal differential to Brighton's minus eight. But, you know, if you get a couple of results, like you said, like there's a lot of teams that aren't that far ahead, like Newcastle's on 19 points, Um, Burnley's on 16. Like there are chances to make up some ground there. And so I, I still, I agree with you. Like Sheffield are easily the odds on favorite to go down, but you get a couple of results. This is a weird season. Like teams yeah. ahead of them need to start, you know, at, at least getting one point from matches. I, I don't know if they need to win all of them, but if you're Brighton, you need to start getting, you need to start scrapping some points. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the next game.
0: Wolves won Everton two, you predicted this, I believe, uh, in the betting part, so congratulations on that. I was a bit stunned with uh, the performance Wolves put in because Everton took the lead very, very early. And this is where I don't understand Wolves. And I guess, you know, not having Raul Jimenez, having a thin squad, this is where it really catches up to them that when they have to play quick games and so on, it is going to be a problem. Them, but Everton, credit to them. They are back in the top four, I believe. uh And I mean, Ancelotti is not going away. And it this team seems to figure a way out to win. Dominic Calvert Lewin not there, still figuring a way out to win. So maybe, just maybe, they should be considered as much of a title threat as the next team we're going to talk about.
1: I think title threats are a little far off in this match. I mean, I. I looked at the XG of this match and Everton, you know, scored two goals on point three two XG. Like it, it's they, they took their chances, but they were not very good chances overall um, and really uncharacteristic from Wolves, like you said, in this match where Wolves are usually a team that plays very well um, and plays very tight in the first half of games and then tries to, you know, make adjustments in the second half. And I just I don't think you really saw that in this game. Uh um, Everton took the early lead and then just kind of, you know, wolves then answered, but it was never the kind of, when it got to the second half, it was never kind of wolves turning it on. Like I thought they would.
0: Yeah, I very much agree. And I mean, credit to Everton again, like they're, there we'll see how this continues and, you know, moving forward, what ends up happening for both these teams, I will say, though, if Everton, get, Everton win the league, um, I would laugh on every Liverpool fan's face. It would be quite funny. Um, with a mask, with with though, just so that you know. Of,
1: of course, yeah. We're, we're not in Tuscaloosa. Um, <laughs> I, I will say it was good to see uh, Lucas Dean come back after being out from an injury. He's a really key part of uh, this Everton team, and if he comes back and is an impact player, it, it does give, a, if not title credentials, top four credentials, a big boost.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, top, as we're going to talk about, top four is, you know, up for grabs. I mean, the title's up for grabs, realistically, and for all we know, fucking 10th place is up for grabs right now. So we shall see how uh, these teams progress. Moving on to a big, big game at Turf Moor, Manchester United 1, Burnley nil, big win for Man United, last performance by Paul Pogba, the Norwegian PE teachers on top of the table, and I, I mean, I... I would love to hear your thoughts about the events that transpired at Turf Moor. Uh, more so, ju- not just to concentrate on the three VAR calls that we're going to go into, but also just as a game, because Burnley played their game. And I mean, this I don't know how all of a sudden we decided to defend set pieces, because we looked decent, except for that Maguire handball call. So outside of that, I, I thought United
1: were a deserving uh, winner in this game. Yeah, like I said, we'll get to the VAR calls cuz that's kind of a separate discussion I think. Uh, but looking at the game, I, I thought United were the deserved winners and you know, Martial really could have put this game away a couple of times. Like he had some pretty good chances, especially in the last like 10 to 15 minutes of the match he had two chances that you would really like to see um someone I I know Cavani's there as kind of the would you say that he's taken over that job now
0: as a number nine? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I, say so. I, I think Marshall was given every opportunity to win it. Um, and I, I think he clearly didn't. And it, you would like to see a player that you had pegged as your number nine, put some of those chances away. Cause especially the one right at the end of the match, he just made it way too easy for Pope. Like he just kicked it. It was one of them on the keeper and he kicked it right at him. Um, so on the balance, I think United deserved to win the game. Um, Burnley, like you said, Burnley kind of did what Burnley does. They, you know, had a couple opportunities on set pieces. There were a couple, um, you know, they had a half decent chance at the very beginning of the game. Um, but overall, like I thought United were deserved winners. Um, before we get into the VAR stuff. Yeah. And I mean, one quick
0: thing about Martial, um, we talk about that at the end where he just smacks it up. Pope. Well, the the funny part for me is he makes such an intelligent play to get the ball to Cavani, you know, just moves his head, takes it. I mean, I was just like, Oh shit. Like, that, yeah, that's a good but point. He's about to score, you know? And, And and both the times, he just does not do the final shot. And I feel like he's a player who plays well when he's confident and he's clearly not in front of goal right now. So we'll see. It looks like he got hurt at the very end of the game too. So going into the Liverpool game, that is something to be talked about. But everybody talks about Man United and VAR, how we get all the fucking decisions and all of that nonsense. Let's start off with the first one. Brady should have been sent off. Like, realistically, that's a red card as the last man taking down the striker uh, and a clear clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity in my opinion they go into the var they look at shaw which i didn't think it was a red but you know i have seen red cards like that given so i wouldn't argue as much but i don't think that's a red and the referee takes a five-minute break comes back to give him a yellow rescinds the yellow that he had given brady originally and gives burnley
1: a free kick and I was just stunned as, like, w- what the fuck just happened right there? So there's a couple things I want to point out. And the first place I'm going to go with is the absolute top-tier shithousery by Burnley by trying to take a free kick after a VAR call quickly. That was just absolutely incredible, and, and I love seeing it, and that's exactly what you expect from a Burnley team. Um, but to go into the actual call, it's, it was a little... Nuts to me because so, I thought the point of VAR was to look at penalties, red cards, and, and goals more or less, and to go back and look at the Shaw foul, I I didn't think it was one of those, and so I don't I don't know. So to me, I agree with you. Like I don't know why Brady got the yellow card in the first place. I thought it was pretty clearly a red card there uh i but i'm sorry that's just like he he does not get the ball he doesn't really intend to get the ball like it's it's more of just i'm going to take him out like, that's all it was and i don't really think there were defenders that could have made a play on the ball like there were guys around but i don't think anyone's going to make a play on the ball if, if brady is not there to just uh take him out so th- that aside if you were going to go back and give Shaw a red, I understand that everything out of the, after that is kind of canceled out. But to give him a yellow, I don't... So, like, is that VAR jurisdiction is my question? Because you need to apply that consistently if it is. I, I don't think so. So to go back to an incident that happened in uh, the FA Cup, like, Kovacic got sent off for a second yellow. That was clearly not, like, probably not a foul, but certainly not a second yellow. And like, if we're not going to review second yellows becoming reds, like, why are we reviewing this? I I don't I don't understand it. Like, I didn't think that was within the purview of VAR to begin with. Like, I I can understand going and seeing if there was a clear and obvious foul, but like,
0: I I I I don't know. I I was pretty baffled with that situation, and I was I completely baffled with the next one where I felt Harry Maguire got a very decent. I think that's a very good header. In, in towards go in for a goal. And then they call a foul on that as well to cancel the goal. I mean, one thing I will say as a Man United fan, it was great to see him score. And honestly, the celebration from him and the team at the time, you saw how much it meant to the team. But when that gets canceled, for like another bullshit-ass reason, in my opinion, because you don't apply that consistently anywhere. So like, I, how did they know they... By they, I mean, B.A.R. not go, hey, Kevin, friend, you made a mistake. Can you come look at this? Because we don't think this is a fault like that. Because if you're going to start calling that, there should be a penalty literally every single corner.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's clear to me that England has decided that they are going to adjudicate uh, set pieces complete and the physicality in the box completely differently than they look at open play. When I saw this incident, I didn't really think it was a foul. I do think that um, McGuire does kind of come through Peters a little bit, and he does have his hands back there in a way that, okay, maybe. But if you're going to call that a foul, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of headed goals (laughs) that are going to be disallowed in this league. Like, I just i I didn't think it was I thought he went up in the air and won a ball, and then you know when two guys go and compete in the air for a ball, like there's gonna be some odd landings like that's kind of that's kind of what I thought like i when he goes up to head it it's a pretty it's pretty clean in my opinion, and then there's some contact as they're on the way down, but I think that's always gonna happen when two people go up for headers
0: absolutely and I think Peter crowd summed it up best where he said if that is not a goal i really wouldn't have had a lot of career goals yeah <laughs> and like i mean th- that is a true statement especially when you're big like that if it's like a chicharito doing that i understand but um also for all the football twitter chicharito used to be a man united player back in the day before y'all started watching football Um uh, having said that maguire again in the middle of things last minute Apparently should have been a penalty. I know a bunch of Spurs fans texted me right after that saying Dyer got a penalty just for that, and I'm like, hey, they changed the fucking rule or direct they sent out a directive right after that Dyer situation, so like they rectified it. And I, I mean, I if they had given that penalty, I would have absolutely lost it, which would have been funny as a Man United fan losing it about VAR. But I mean, this is the consistency as we keep talking about, and I would love to hear your thoughts to wrap up this game on if that should have been a penalty and like if you, and we can go from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I feel like I have no idea what a handball is anymore. Like it's just, I can look at something and say, yes, I think that's a handball. Definitely not given. <laughs> and look at one and be like, I, I don't think there's anything he could have done about that. And it, it's given as a penalty. I, I don't know. Like, I think there needs to be a good bit more clarity around this because McGuire is going up to compete with someone. And, if you're going to call that a penalty, then you basically have to go back to the law of if it touches your hand or, or your arm, then it's a penalty. Like I will say that in this case, McGuire is like his arm is above his head. Like it's, you could argue perhaps that he had, like he should have had control of that to not have his hand there. But I I don't know. Like, I think it would have been harsh. Yeah, I mean,
0: it, I think if that is given for my team, I would obviously take it. I'd obviously celebrate it. I've celebrated a lot of penalties. I mean, actually, I deserve, I don't... I think uh, United have deservedly gotten most of their penalties. But that is a penalty you really don't want to see given. And I understand people's frustrations with Man United, with VAR, and all of that nonsense. But, like... I think if you give that penalty, as you said, it opens up the whole can of worms again. And we're going back to that decision of, is everything that touches your hand a a penalty, essentially? Because again, by the letter of the law that they had started the season with, that would have been a penalty. So they changed it for the better. And I think that is why it wasn't a penalty. But all I'll say, top of the table, ha 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 for every fucking body out there. And Craig Burnley, you're still a fucking piece of shit. Anyway, let's move on instead of uh, going on and on about this one game. Also, Sean Daesh, good job. I think Burnley's going to stay up just because of the mentality that Sean Daesh has instilled in that team. Moving on to the last game that we can review. Oh, actually, not the last game because we have two more. I forgot uh, there were two games played today. The first one, Manchester City taking on Brighton and Hove Albion. Man City, one-nose. I mean, Phil Foden, very good goal. Credit to you. But... This was not the city machine that I was expecting against Brighton. But to be fair to Brighton, they did you know clean up and not really play the very expansive style that they normally like to play. But at the end of the day, they didn't get the three points. They didn't even get a point. Manchester City, 1-0 deserving winners, I'd say. And I mean, I'd have really liked for Kevin De Bruyne to take that fucking penalty.
1: Yeah, that really surprised me. Um, I don't know if that's just an idea of trying to get Sterling going because uh, you know Sterling hasn't been uh, great this year, unlike you know some years you've seen them. Like I, I, I don't, I don't really know what was going on there. Like I, I De Bruyne should be taking those, in, in my opinion. Um, beyond that, like City are just a better team than Brighton. Uh, they're they create better chances ironically i think they missed (laughs) their better chances in this game uh and relied on like you said a very nice goal from phil foden um but you know that's kind of a thing city can do is just they create enough chances and lord knows everyone that's in the attacking third on that team can put away (laughs) a a half chance so oh yeah and to be honest like
0: Riyad Mahrez is still one of the most unique and wild transfers I've ever seen because he gets used sparingly. He gets used normally when like there's injuries and such. But I mean, whenever he plays, I feel like he's trying to do too much. A lot of people say that he's a selfish prick. I don't think it's that. I think when you don't play a lot, every time you get on the field, you want to show the manager that you've got, you've got it. You should be the one starting. And that's why they try to do too much. And I think, like, Mares probably would be better off if he moves. But, again, like, he's making all the money in the world. And, again, they're favorites for the title. You stay at City. You collect trophies. So, I think it'll be another interesting season.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a PFA Player of the Year uh, winner. And so, like, you know, those guys don't – that ego doesn't go away. And so, you have a – guy there and I don't mean ego in like a selfish way I just mean like as a professional to get to the levels that he's had you have to think that you're very good and I I think you're right like I think it's a lot of Mahrez doesn't think he should be riding the bench on this team like he thinks that he should be playing and you know there's a lot of talent on city and you're 100% right like I don't understand I don't understand this transfer. Like I know Arsenal were potentially in for him when he went to city. I kind of think that this was a transfer by city to keep Mara's from some of the other big teams. I'm not saying Arsenal probably would not have been, I don't think we could have afforded him. but, um, but it's any of the other teams sniffing around. I I kind of think it was that. And, you know, they pull him out for games from time to time, but, Never really a key piece that you think he would have been.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it, it is sad because I did really like him at Leicester because, he, I mean, granted, he was scoring a lot of the low XG goals with his left foot, but, you know, that, that's what, like, made him so great because he was doing that consistently. So sad to see a player like him uh, be, end up in a situation like this, but hey, he's collecting his paychecks and collecting winner's medals, so I think he will definitely take that. Uh, on the other side, though, Brighton, I, I mean... If if teams behind them start winning their games in hand, they, they would be dragged into the relegation zone. And the way Graham Porter likes to play, the way Brighton like to play, I think uh Tarek Lamptey is about to be a free agent at the end of the summer.
1: Yeah, I think that's possible. Like it's a it's a Brighton team that you you want to say that you're impressed by them, but it just never it just never seems to all come together for them. Like whether it's whether it's like today they never really create any chances and granted it's City, so fine. Like you kind of get that. City are a team that can suffocate you at times. But I don't know. Like they're they're a team that really needs to start you're right, you look at Fulham, have two games in hand, they're two points behind Brighton. They can easily um easily go past Brighton here and they're right there in the relegation zone and Without some kind of transfer, I, I don't I don't see where it's going to come from because I feel like they've tried a lot of different options, especially up front, whether it's a wellbeck, Mopay, Trossard at times, and it just hasn't really worked out for them.
0: Yeah, uh
1: that is very
0: fair. And talking about Fulham, they ended up getting a point at Tottenham Stadium after being thirsty into the game. I mean, I literally don't know how you like suddenly get told on a I generally don't understand how uh, how Fulham had the desire to do this uh, and come out and get the point that they did. It is a London derby at the end of the day, so I guess there's that. But, I mean, this is, again, another game with Tottenham. We're talking about how they had a one-goal lead, and Mourinho does what Mourinho does, where he decides to shut up shop, and it just does not end well. And this Premier League, in my opinion, every time you do that, unless you have a great defense... And you have to be willing to spend to get that great defense the way Pep Guardiola has. I think you're going to pay the price if you're not going to put the game to bed. And I mean, if you can't do that against Fulham, I think you're going to struggle against, you know, the cities and the Liverpools when it comes down to it.
1: Yeah, and I think this is another match that, you know, Tottenham got out to their early lead. They were happy to kind of sit on it and then once Fulham made it a game like the, the next best chance in this match after Fulham tied it up went to Fulham like Ruben lost his cheek missed a really good chance and you know it it's not inconceivable to think that Spurs could have gotten nothing from this game and you know you've got to give Scott Parker and Fulham a lot of credit like you said just kind of thrust into saying hey you guys have got a game by the way it's a team that's you know competing at the top of the table while you're in the middle of a relegation fight, and I, I do kind of wonder if some of this might, might have just been a fuck you game. Like we're just pissed off about this whole situation that you're dumped on us, and, and maybe that inspired uh, something there. But really good from Fulham in the last few games. Um, you know they haven't really grinded out any wins, but they're still like they're slowly clawing themselves into a better position.
0: Yeah, and I mean, credit to Scott Parker to be able to do this. I will, I mean, I'll still say that it is early to say that they're not going to get relegated for me. But, I mean, positive signs if you're a Fulham fan. And ultimately, it's down to the team. I think the team is together, the team is playing, and this is what you can hopefully expect for the rest of the season. And if they continue to play like this, they are going to get a results. I'm not talking about performances. I'm talking about results because performances don't keep you in the – in the Premiership, the results do. And I think Scott Parker is understanding that, Fulham's understanding that, and uh, hopefully Jose Mourinho understands you need to get results in order to win the title, too, the way they were looking to. Because I think from the time that they were top of the table till now, I know they haven't played as many games because of the postponements that they have had to face, but they've won one of their last five or six, I think, since the point that they were top of the table. So it's all kind of come crashing down. for both the teams that have been top of the table so far in uh, Chelsea and Spurs. So I'm really hoping Manchester United don't come crashing down very, very soon. Having said that, we have some big, big games coming up this weekend. We are about to preview them, give you some insights on our betting thoughts of what is going to happen for this upcoming weekend's game. So we'll see you on the second segment, sir. And ma'am what is up guys back with the second segment of this podcast thank you for joining us we'll get started with our previews for this weekend's fixtures just a quick rundown set in the first segment just to remind everybody we're going to put down units instead of one unit per game sorry instead of uh the normal thousand dollar divided any way we want because of covid we don't know if all these games are going to happen and kind of don't want to see somebody end up in a $300 bet, that just does not happen. So we'll tell you if we like a game better than one unit, but let's get this shit started. Wolverham Wonders at home, a minus 190 taking on West Brom. where 600. The draw is at plus 300. Overrunners at two
1: and a half. I feel like a draw is coming in this game. How do you feel? I think a draw is very sensible. And I'll be honest, this is a part where I kind of wish we were doing dollars and not units because I'd like to... Go a little under as far as um, my, my allocation to it, but I don't know. Watching Wolves' last match and kind of how I know they play down to competition, and West Brom with a little more time with Sam Allardyce to um, kind of organize that team, I wonder if at plus six hundred, if West Brom might be a good option here. Like, it's probably not going to happen, but. It, the plus 600 is really enticing to me. Um so I'm going to go with West Brom I think like the way Wolves are playing is not really that convincing to me. It's a shot for a big payoff here. Um I I think they've got a shot at it.
0: Yeah, I would very much agree but I mean I'm I'm going to say it's going to be a draw cuz again Wolves normally do this when the their backs seem to be against the wall. They come out with a win. And the only reason I'm going with a draw is because I think the West Brom defense can pull things out. they they have played very decent against teams that like to have the ball. They like to you know dominate you. So we'll see how that goes. But I would definitely take uh the draw in this situation. But hey, if uh, West Brom win, that would be an amazing sight. Moving on to the next game, Leeds United taking on Brighton Hove. Albion Leeds, even odds, I, I feel like that's pretty good. Brighton at plus 255, the draw at plus 270, over-unders at a three. I feel like this is going to go one of two ways. Either Leeds are going to come back, come and absolutely smash Brighton, or there's going to be a thrilling draw that nobody saw coming.
1: It's real tough for me because on the one hand, I've been sucked into the trap of Brighton a lot this season, I feel like. I I like the way they've played at times. They create a good number of chances. I feel like they should do better than their results actually do. On the other, I look at Leeds. I have a team, if you create a lot of chances against Leeds, it's a leaky enough defense that anyone should be able to get right against them if you can just create the chances. And it's difficult for me to see which I want to go with. Um, I'm going to go with the draw in this game. I think that Brighton can play with Leeds, but I do think that this is a type of scenario where if Leeds is having one of those days, they could just absolutely bury Brighton, I think. Uh, but I'm going with a draw. I think uh, it will actually play out as a fairly close match.
0: I do agree uh, that it's probably going to be a very, very close game, but I'm going to go with Leeds just because I think there needs to be a bounce back after the embarrassing defeat that they had. And I think Brighton, I would like to believe in Brighton the way I did early on in the season, but they just haven't given me anything to you know believe on except for playing well. And I think playing well against a team like Leeds is not going to be enough. So I'm going to go with a three, two Leeds win. So I'll take the over. But um, still, think Leeds probably win. How about you?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about the over if you didn't get to it. Because I think that with uh, the way that Leeds create chances and the way that um, their defenses at times, I, I, I like the over in this one as well. And I usually try to stay away from overs of three because, you know, with the struggles Brighton have had at scoring sometimes this season, that could be tough to hit. But... I'm I want to hit the over on this one. Yeah, I very much agree.
0: Moving on from two very exciting teams to two teams that are gonna play some interesting football to say the least. West Ham United at home at minus one twenty-five, taking on Burnley at plus three seventy-five. The draw at plus two fifty-five, over-unders at two and a half. This could end up being a really dull nil-nil draw. Or a 1-1 one, one draw, but I really don't know which way this game is going to go, to be fair.
1: Yeah, I think it's tough. I think these are two teams that, uh, they're both very good on set pieces. Uh, you think maybe that will cancel each other out. Um, West Ham have been the better team uh, this season. I, I think that's pretty fair to say. And I think that they do have, um, I think they do have some difference makers uh, with Bowen and um I guess the well, is no longer there, so uh, it might be a little early for West Ham to, like, I, I think they've got a move that they're going to make so in the transfer market that might um, carry them the rest of the season. I, I'm going to go with the draw. I'm a little curious as to where West Ham are going to get the goals in this match, but I do think they at least score one. I'm interested in the over in this game.
0: Yeah, I would very much agree with that. I'm going to go with West Ham in this situation. To be honest, I think they have shown signs under David Moyes this season. And I think they are just a better team in doing what both these teams do, essentially. Having said that, I am going to stay away from the over-under because, yeah, I, I do not feel very comfortable as to uh, whenever it's a two and a half, to be honest. Having said that, let's move on to the next London derby of the season. Fulham at plus 600, taking on Chelsea at minus 210. Draw at plus 350. Over-unders at two and a half. Sir, are Chelsea and Frank Lampard about to mount their title challenge again?
1: <laughs> um, that's a interesting way of phrasing uh, this game. Um, I don't know. You should expect Chelsea to win this game, I think. It's To me, it's a little bit of a question of what do you think Fulham are going to do after the Spurs match? You know, They've kind of built a little bit of a platform of results in these last few games with a number of draws. No, no wins yet, but a number of draws, including a Spurs match that I thought they were heavily disadvantaged for. And so you kind of wonder if they could nick uh, something from a Chelsea team that have looked pretty vulnerable at times this season and certainly have come down from the way they were playing earlier in the season. Um, I'm going to go with a draw in this game as well. I I can't pull the trigger on Fulham winning in this one, and I'm not really interested in Chelsea at minus 210, uh, playing a Fulham team that I think is playing a little bit better uh, and with Chelsea not really being that convincing for me right now. All right. I mean,
0: the reason I said title challenge is because they were beating relegation threatened teams back then, and everybody put them as a title challenger. So I'm going to say Chelsea win this game pretty comfortably. Uh, I think, for what it's worth, the players are just better. Not having Ruben Loftus cheek in the midfield because he's alone he is going to definitely hurt Fulham. And ultimately, I just don't see if chelsea turn up like it doesn't have to be good tactically it doesn't have to be great as long as 11 players were chelsea quality turn up they should be winning this game and i'm putting like chelsea quality by this season standards like not the chelsea quality we have normally expected under roman abramovich so i think it's going to be a pretty easy win fulham have surprised me but at the end of the day i think it's Lampard's a better manager than Scott Parker at the very least so um I think he's gonna get this sorted for sure and as you said say having played in the midweek having gotten their result against Spurs I just wonder how it, uh, if Fulham are gonna have enough left in their tank to go and get a result again against Chelsea
1: yeah I think that's totally fair um I, I, for me, it's mostly taking, not taking Chelsea's about the odds more than anything else.
0: Yeah, ABBA. I mean, I'm just betting units at this point, so I just want to get them right, to be fair. Um, Do need to make up a lot of ground right here. Um, Leicester City at home at minus 120, taking on Southampton at plus 310. That is wild. Draw at plus 275, Over unders at 2.5. I mean, I'm a bit stunned with that Southampton line. Uh, what are your thoughts
1: my thought is that the book knows something that i don't about southampton um cuz i'm i'm with you like plus 310 for southampton just doesn't really seem right to me um so yeah that that's really curious to me I, and because of that i think i'm just going to take southampton here like i know that there southampton have um a f- a few guys who are a little banged up, like Ings is cut, coming back from injury, but looks to be kicking back into stride. And it's a lesser team that has been good for most of the season, but hasn't really convinced me that they're going to be a consistent team that puts away uh, some of these teams that they should. Um, and I think South, I think Southampton are playing better with their press and defending. Uh, Runners in behind than they were at the beginning of the season. And I think that's kind of what Lester want to do. So if Southampton can um, keep Vardy from getting in behind, I think they've got a good shot and plus three ten, I like it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm going
0: to go a little bit more. Actually, I'm just going to go with Lester in this game. Um, I, I want to believe in Southampton and I think this is a big, big test for them. Um, if they do go to, king power and win that game. I think that would show me that Southampton are there for real. I think so far, yes, they have played very well and I'm not taking anything away from them. I still think Leicester are a little bit of a superior side and I'm between the managers don't, isn't really a pick really in my opinion. You pick whoever you want. I think you get a very decent manager in both. But um, Leicester, I mean, Jamie Vardy is probably going to get chances in this game that are going to be high xg so we'll see if he wants to score some high xg goals this time around having said that let's move on to two teams that one was expected to be here the other one was not expected to be here but here we are aston villa at plus 245 against everton at plus 105 draw at plus 280 overrunners at three i mean it it depends on who plays for villa right at this point because like if they have to trot out their under 23s again, it's going to be a pretty comfortable Everton win. But if they do get to get Jack Grealish and company back, I think they have a very, very good shot at beating Everton.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you would have a Villa squad that hasn't played in a while against an Everton squad that had FA Cup midweek and then this match. So I think it really does come down to who you expect to play in this match. And that's unfortunately something we don't really know at this point uh so for me i'm gonna go with villa i think that if villa get their players back i I really fancy them in this match i think that everton have a squad that you know without calvert lewin yes they get dean back but i don't know if dean's gonna go straight back into playing 90 minutes uh each each match like back to back like this uh and if villa have something approaching a uh kind of their first 11 i really favor them to win this match all
0: right so uh the guardian posted an article saying astonville has requested the premier league to postpone this game so that tells me that if this game does take place it's probably going to be the under 23s does that affect your overall thought process for the game
1: yes it does this game's going to be a draw <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah that that is concerning to me because i do think that that means that you're not just talking about a player or two. You're you you're probably talking about a lot of players there.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, uh, it's weird to me that the Premier League had gone out of their way to, you know, initially accommodate teams. And I'm like, and I said it back then, that it's a very bad precedent to set because this is going to ha- keep happening. And once you do this for one team, you have to do it for others. So I do hope they postpone it because it's unfair on Aston Villa, but at the same time, like the scheduling constraints, this, this is going to just get even more interesting, but I'm going to go with a Everton win just because of that reason. I think if they do play, if it's the under 23s granted, granted ballers, by the way, absolute ballers, that under 23 team came through in a fucking minivan. Um, into the, or bus rather, into the Villa Park and played, you know, Liverpool for 60 minutes, played really well, was 1-1 in the FA Cup, so it's some really amazing scenes to be honest, to see the under-23s get thirst into the situation, like, oh shit, we're playing today and you have like 16, 17-year-old kids representing their club, so it is fun, but um, I think Everton are just going to have just enough in that situation to come out and win the game, but... If Aston Villa win, man, I, I would go fucking berserk if they win. they under with an under 23s team beat a team like Everton.
1: So it, it would be really interesting to me to see who we're talking about that would be missing because, like, let's say it was something like an a Villa I mean, team contact missing. Contact tracing is fourteen team uh, fourteen days
0: though, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that's the thing, right? So ultimately, they'll all have to miss the. Well, can they can they test out of that? Like, because I know I forget exactly what the rules are around. I, that. Like I, if you have a number of negative tests, I think after fourteen days, if you have two negative
0: tests, you can come back to practice. But again, like you you've seen this with Kai Havertz, you've seen this with Paul Pogba, and a bunch of other players. Other than pretty much Mo Salah, who like got COVID nineteen, didn't really get affected. Um, where it does take a toll on you for at least yeah. some of them, like. Ogba said he couldn't really breathe when he was playing football right after COVID-19. So I think uh, there is a situation here where uh, if the players come back a bit too early, it might be even worse, to be honest, because they wouldn't be able to keep up with Everton. But then again, it's a tired Everton team. So this again, this is the reason we're doing units instead of betting big money, because we really don't know if this game is going to happen. Having said that, let's move on to a game that I am very excited about because we talked about this in the first segment that maybe, just maybe Chris Wilder and the boys are about to go on a run. If you are going to go on a run, I mean, Tottenham are there for the taking, in my opinion, and not saying like they can be beaten 5-6-0, but Sheffield United at home at plus 500, taking on Tottenham at minus 170
1: with the draw of plus 300, over under is at two and a half. It's it's tough because we did talk about that and you do feel that Sheffield are a team that, you know, if they can build some momentum can start playing uh, better than they have earlier in the season. And Spurs are a team that just with the way that they set up, if it's not clicking for them, they're a team that might just get a goal and sit on it and give you a chance to get back into the game. Uh, And, I don't know. It's tough for me to see that Sheffield are going to go from their first win of the season to really building uh, on it. Uh, So I'm going to go with Spurs here in this match. Yeah,
0: I very much agree. I think Spurs, for what it's worth, are the better team. And while it might be a nightmare scenario for Mourinho to play against a team like this right now, I don't think Spurs score, uh, sorry, Sheffield United score a lot of goals and yes, they want to get Newcastle, but I think Spurs are going to be a different uh, class. And I think they're going to show their class at the end of the day. So I'm going to take Spurs in this given situation. Sorry, Sheffield, but I really do hope you win. Having said that, here comes the big game of this weekend. I have promised a lot about, what I'm going to say going into this game. Liverpool at home at even odds. I don't even remember the last time this happened because they're on a wild unbeaten run at home taking on Manchester United at a plus 255. The draw is at 280. Over-unders at a three. All right. I, I'm going to say a couple of things before I present this game to you and ask for where you're going with your unit in this situation. Mm-hmm. I need United fans on one side. You know what? It's time to be excited where the club is headed. It's, it looks very nice. We're top of the table by three points. But again, this is a real test. This is a reality check for Manchester United. And this will tell us a lot about whether or not this team is made to win titles. I still don't think this is a title-winning team. I don't think it's even a title-challenging team. And at the same time, they are three points ahead of this Liverpool team and because of the results that Liverpool have gotten in the recent weeks. So I think there is a chance that United kind of get found out and end up getting smashed 3-0, 4-0. But when that happens, if that happens, do not forget that we're top of the table, and even if we lose, we'll be tied on points against the team who would be overtaking us. Having said that, Brayden, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, there's
1: a lot to really think about in this game. And and for one of the things that I go to is, you know, we've talked about earlier in the season when Van Dyke got injured. And then shortly after that, Gomez got injured. Uh, and, you know, various other things happened uh, with COVID tests and, and, and all that sort of thing. And it hasn't really come back, in my opinion, to really hurt Liverpool like they've they've been able to stay top of the table and, and done a really you know solid job I think except for you know they've had a couple blips here and there the full game comes to mind uh that sort of thing but I do wonder if this is the part of the season that it's that those legs are going to start to get a lot heavier and I was surprised to see them play a really strong team against Villa um in the FA cup, especially when the news about the situation Villas in came out, I'm going to go with United. I, I think it's a really, I think it's going to be a, a good match and you might see Liverpool like this. This might be a circle of the wagons. Yes. We're Liverpool like that sort of moment. But I think that I think that the United are playing uh, better as a squad right now. I think they're on better form. I think that, They've got. I mean, I don't want to say they have difference makers that Liverpool don't because they I mean, they do still have Salah, they do still have Mane, they do still have great players. But like, you kind of think this might be a game that Bruno really steps up and like kind of really cements him as like, do you want to say top player in the Premier League? Because I don't think that'd be unwarranted. And so, like, a big performance this game uh, could go a long way towards. Kind of making that statement. So I'm, I'm going to go with United. Um, we'll see. It's going to be a good one to watch. I mean, it'll be a good one to
0: watch for whoever is not a fan of these two clubs because this is going to be really, really wild in my opinion. It's been a very long time, if I'm not wrong, about 13 years, 14 years since they both faced against each other, faced off against each other when it was one versus two. <sighs> Man, I, I, you know what? This is plain old me. I am betting on Liverpool to win this game. I I know there's a lot of hype about Manchester United right now. I know that there is a lot of, you know, positivity and all of that. There was a lot of positivity about Spurs going into the game against Liverpool, and they ended up losing the game in a wild Bobby for me in a free kick. Oh, not free kick, sorry, header at the very end. So I think Manchester United are, are capable of at most getting a draw. I I just, I think if Man United win this game, the reaction would be enormous and what happens next would be wild, but I just don't see that happening. I think at the end of the day, you have Thiago coming back, who's looking more and more fit and overall the team, there will be vulnerabilities and I'm interested to see how Manchester United explore it and last season, Man United were very good against the top six and this season, United has been horrible against the top six so maybe this is a chance for ole to rectify that a little bit but at the end of the day it's you know the best team on the land against manchester united um it's the best coach in the world who won the award against the norwegian pe teacher and at the end of the day i think i think there's still a difference in class for these two teams and i i am hope i'm wrong but i i don't think i am i think at the end of the day salah Mane Firmino fiago Fabinho, all of these guys are at a different level compared to where this man united team is having said that man if we get a fucking penalty of the 90th minute to win it i would love fucking Klopp's face but to be honest man i i, I expect this team, uh, game to be a little bit more grounded i would be very very surprised if liverpool just absolutely come out hammering they might the first couple of minutes just because united are not known to start the games very well but United haven't lost an away game since the last time they lost at Anfield. And that pretty much cemented the title for Liverpool at that point. Not that it was at any point in doubt because they're 15 points ahead at the time. But this is the game like United haven't lost in, I think, 19th will be exactly a year since United had last lost. And if we are still undefeated away from home in the Premier League, man, that would be something
1: else. Yeah, I, I don't know. So going back to last season, it, it was the match at Old Trafford and not uh, the match at Anfield. But I, I really felt that United came out with a strong game plan uh, with the way that they kind of picked around Liverpool's press. And, you know, you mentioned a lot of those players like Thiago and you know Salah, Mane, all those guys who are great players. And all of those guys, except for Tiago, were also there at that game when I felt like United had a really strong performance and were maybe unlucky to just get a draw out of that match. I think that was also before Bruno, right? Yeah, like, there was I, no Bruno. There was no Martial at yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think that I think that this game brings something out of United. Like, it, this is one of those things where like all the times that you've been ready to write United off before, uh, like. You know, a, a match against City would come along, and like no one would think that United had a chance, and then you know, Pogba shows up and scores two, <laughs> like that that sort of yeah. thing. Like, like there's there's something about these types of games that I think um, Ole can get through and to the team and get a performance out of them. But, I mean, all everything you said about Liverpool is still correct. Like, Liverpool are still a very good team. Liverpool are going to go into this game with a mentality of, this is our spot that they're trying to take, let's show them who we are. And it's, it's going to be a good one to watch. Like you said, unless yeah. you're a fan of these two teams, and then you'll just, like, sit nervously in front of your TV for 120 minutes or so and... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I will say this and this is where I feel
0: like it's kind of gotten lost a little bit. I said it after the game at Old Trafford last year where we put in a very, very strong performance and ended up drawing the game with Lalana scoring out of nowhere at the very end. That showed me that Liverpool were a title-winning team. That showed me that, you know, that when good teams don't play well, they're still going to get something out of it. And I just think that is what might end up happening with the... this game as well i think liverpool at the end of the day are just a superior team and that is what is going to make the difference i think i have seen this play out a lot of times there used to be a time we were the superior team by far and liverpool would just come out of nowhere however the tape i mean people are going to look at the table and be like oh united needs to do this let's all calm down one game in the season let's see what happens i I i think you can be proud of where man united is and still expect not a great result going into anfield and to be honest like there you should not be expecting a great result at anfield because they don't lose at anfield so i think everybody in england is going to be watching this, every, every, this this could be the highest viewed man united liverpool game in a very very long time i think it's been ages since the two teams have been good together at the same time and, uh, this is providing an absolutely perfect situation for, uh, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, if he goes and wins this game, like I, I think then, then you're to- having a whole different conversation and maybe Craig Burnley will admit that like he's wrong. But until that that's point, that's probably not happening. <laughs> eh, I can hope. I, I, I think there's a higher chance he admits he's wrong than Man United winning at Anfield this weekend. Because, but then again, um, Crazier things have happened. I mean, I I really hope so. something happens and we win this game and I will go berserk, but I just do not see how we can beat a Liverpool team that is playing so, so good. Moving on to the next game, a game that has been rather interesting in the last couple of years. Manchester City taking on Crystal Palace. I think the moment you hear those two teams, I straight up hear the Andros Townsend goal that came out of absolutely fucking nowhere to like, I think that was the third goal of the game is all well. three, two for crystal palace. We'll see if that repeats this year, but the bookies are not very uh, favorable, favorable odds. The bookies have not given a very favorable odds for that to happen, but I don't think they would have done that anyway. Manchester city coming in at minus 600 crystal palace are at plus 1800. The draw is at plus six, seven, five, and the over under is set at three. This is a kind of interesting, wild line, in my opinion, that it kind of is very enticing to take Crystal Palace. But at the same time, Crystal Palace, outside of that win at Old Trafford,
1: have been kind of embarrassed by a couple of the bigger teams. Yeah, Palace have definitely laid a couple eggs. The, the match against Liverpool especially comes to mind and city are a team that could potentially uh, do that to a palace team that I think has kind of a lot of issues in defense. Like they're generally a very organized team, but they like when you're trotting out Gary Cahill out there uh, it's got Dan at times, like you're just going to have a bad time against a team like city. I think um, that said, like I look at this line and it, man, if we had a thousand dollars to bet and we were dividing this up, it'd be tr- like 25 on Palace or something like that. Because at plus 1800, you know, Zaha and Eze are the caliber of player that can do something against City. Like, there's a lot of times when City plays teams that are lower on the table that they just don't have players that can do anything to hurt. Uh, to hurt them and that's that's not the case with palace palace have two players uh, that are capable of doing something against them and you know i i guess benteke will be up there too um but i i don't know i'm gonna go with fuck it i'm gonna go with palace because the plus 1800 is just too alluring um at minus 600 you're talking about what a return of 116 total on your unit um mm-hmm. whatever I, I i'm not that interested in that uh give me palace i'll go for 1900 in one fell swoop here hey uh I'm, I'm gonna go with manchester city
0: i mean i think they're clearly the better team and peps figured out a defense i will say there were some cracks that appeared today Uh, that I think a better team than Brighton could have exploited. But at the same time, I just don't think Crystal Palace are that much better than Brighton. Um, Eze is about to get punished for, I think, showing up at a QPR game. Um, So I think that could play. I mean, I I don't know if he was really going to be a difference maker in this sort of a game, but he has the quality. Zaha has the quality. Ben Teke has something. And, We'll have to see if uh, Crystal Palace does anything. But I, I think Manchester City probably win this game very, very easily. Anyway, moving on to the last game. A game that if other results hold, man, Arsenal could be in a conversation nobody expected them to be quite a while ago. Arsenal at minus 235, Newcastle at plus plus six. 75 draw a plus 365 over under the two and a half i really wish we were recording i don't wish i wish i knew what's going to happen tomorrow with the arsenal game so i would have a better grasp of what to expect but i mean i i i think arsenal's playing very good football newcastle are kind of broken at this point having lost to sheffield united as well I think they're going to get absolutely destroyed by Arsenal in a 1 0 win under Mikel Arteta. I think Arsenal is going to win the game pretty comfortably, even if the scoreline does not project that. How about you, sir?
1: Yeah, I think it's always tough to play a team uh, so quickly after we played them. I realize it's a different competition in the FA Cup and that there was a good bit of rotation, but I. I do think what you're going to see is you're going to see a squad that has Sokka Smith row uh, from the start. And I think that that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a difference maker in this game. Like both of those players specifically have really ignited something uh, in this team. Very outside chance. Parde comes back, um, which, you know, could also be another difference maker from the FA cup. I, I, i'm with you i'm going with arsenal the odds are not good but i do think that they're just a better team than newcastle are right now and i think that um they'll show that in this game
0: yeah i very much agree and um shout out to kate who has been an arsenal fan who has been revived by our thoughts because she was very downtrodden and then she started listening to the podcast and arsenal has been good so keep listening and i hope arsenal keep doing well it's nice to see y'all do well And to be honest, this Premier League season brings back memories where this is what the Premier League was all about. Anybody can beat anybody on a given day. There wasn't like a fucking somebody running away with 15 point difference at the top of the table. So it's very, very nice. I wish it wasn't. I wish we were running away with a 15 point lead right now going into Anfield. But a very, very exciting time coming up for Premier League fans. I think the games are going to be amazing outside, maybe a couple, but You never know what's going to happen this year. And I hope, I hope, I hope we're at the top of the league when we're recording the next podcast. On that note, I shall see you later, people. Cheers. Bye-bye.